Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only podcast, audio-only stream, the podcast, the links to social media, and pretty much everything else you could possibly want over there at MichaelDukeShow.com. Welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us. It is hour one of Tuesday. Tuesday, of course, is our days to dive down into the uh, into the mire and the muck of what's going on in Alaskan politics. I mean, it's not really that mucky, but it is it is kind of interesting. It is the weekly top three, <clears throat> the weekly top three, where Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets comes in to give us the rundown on the top three things that he thinks are important that we should be seeing and watching and paying attention to in state government. Uh, he's been doing this uh, on the program for, ooh, I guess we're going on close to 10 years now, nine, eight years, nine years, nine years, 2014. This is yeah, so we're going on nine years here um, with this right now. So uh, <clears throat> we've been... We've been talking about this issue, what feels like forever, but it's important. This week's topics include how much are we actually going to spend this year? Because the dollars are starting to add up. The dollars are starting to add up, and Brad Keithley is going to bring us some details on that. Also, the details on this new proposed House Joint Resolution and Constitutional Amendment on the Permanent Fund, which I'm going to give you some details on here in just a moment. And then uh, finally how the Willow decision could come at any time and what does it mean for us overall. So this is kind of the, uh, this is kind of the way, this is the way. This is the direction that we're headed and the things that we're going to talk about here uh, on today's weekly top three, again with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Then in hour two, we'll get a chance to kind of recap, recoup, discuss I'll give you some of my final thoughts on Brad's talking points and anything else that comes up during the weekly top three. And then we'll get a chance to chat with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who comes in to give us the uh, who, who comes in to uh, give us our weekly positivity update. Yeah, it used to be Tammy Tuesday. I used to do a segment in Fairbanks uh, when the show was only broadcasting in Fairbanks with Tammy Wilson that we called Tammy Tuesday. Can you not tell that I'm 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 a fan of alliteration? How many times have I told you that? It's uh it's I mean I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. Um all right. So today is the Tuesday and the weekly top 3 and the Chris Story PMA boost plus anything else that I feel like stuffing into that uh, big old enchilada. 
and uh, we're we're ready to go. And Eskimo Libertarian is noticing that I'm wearing my my new shirt, um, which uh, is going to be available on my website. I'm doing a revamp of the website. <clears throat> I actually started this revamp here a couple months ago. And got 90, 96% of the website finished. And I've just been stuck on the last 4% of the website trying to get the web store all put in there and everything else. So you guys can get the t-shirts and the coffee and the coffee mugs and everything else. It's on my list. It's on my list. It just has not been as high as a priority as it should have been. So I'm working on that. And uh, But yeah, we got some new shirts. We got the Just Say No to Government Doe t-shirts. We've got the Government Censorship t-shirts. We've got the Six O'Clock Club. We've got just the plain old beard t-shirts where the it's got my beard on it and, you know, the whole thing. Beard power. Uh, anyway, so that is, um, that's the rundown for today. That's exactly what we're going to be facing off on. Now, tomorrow on the program, uh, State Senator Mike Schauer is supposed to be joining us. And we're hoping to hear back from Calvin Schrage. Uh, he sent me an email, as I said yesterday. I missed the email somehow um, the morning that he called in and I asked him to email. He had already emailed me and I hadn't realized that. So it happens. Sometimes you get, I, when you, you, I get a lot of email. I get a lot of emails. Sometimes I got I to gotta swim through all that stuff and I missed one. So we're hoping that... Um, I'm hoping that uh, Calvin Schrege, uh will be joining us tomorrow morning in the six o'clock hour, then following up with uh, Mike Shower. So it's uh, it's a plan. It's a plan. It's a hope and a plan. That's what we're that's what we're looking for. Okay, what else? What else have we got here um, that I would like to talk about? Uh, first and foremost, uh, the big. Uh, the big discussion, the big, the big talking point is, um, uh, I can't decide which one to talk about. There's a lot of, there's several big talking points. I guess we could talk about the permanent fund, uh, permanent fund restructure, which I know we're going to get into here with Brad <clears throat> in just a minute. Um, there's a new proposed amendment. Uh, it's being put forward uh, with by Cliff Grow who is the Anchorage Democrat, but he's also got some uh, other lawmakers who have joined in on it with him. Uh, the KTUU articles quotes Jesse Sumner um, and talked about uh, this. It is House Joint Resolution 9, which is a constitutional amendment that they hope will fully protect the Alaska Permanent Fund in the Constitution. This is an interesting um, this is an interesting amendment because it would not specifically fix or protect the permanent fund dividend. What it would do, it would take both parts of the permanent fund, uh, which include the uh, corpus of the fund, the main you know the main prime body of the fund, and the earnings reserve, <clears throat> so the earnings reserve and the principal, and it would create a single constitutionally protected account. Now, one thing this would do is that it would pretty much eliminate the statutory PFD because the statutory PFD draws from the earnings reserve account 
And if the earnings reserve account is no longer there and it's just a combination of the, you know, it's just, it's the main account that could, I mean, uh, the way, the way that I would read it now is that it would eliminate the statutory PFD as it's written right now. Grow points out rightly so uh, that under current laws, lawmakers could spend the entire permanent funds earnings, all the ERA with a simple majority vote. Uh, And that's been part of the issue that we've had here on the program for a long time with what's going on in there. This amendment would combine those two accounts to create a single constitutionally protected account. It would restrict lawmakers from spending no more than 5% of the market value of the account as a whole using the POMV system. Um, Grow said that uh, when asked about whether or not this would raise or lower PFD checks, he says this is basically agnostic to that question. He said that he is personally in favor of of enshrining the rights of the permanent fund dividend, the PFD, into the Constitution. But he said this would draw, this would address a, a, a very different question, which is basically, shall the legislature be able to overspend or overdraw from the permanent fund? So this is an interesting piece, and um, I don't know exactly how I feel about it yet. Um, I'm thinking, um, I don't know. I, I I like where it's going in the protection of the overdraw, because that's part of the problem is that I have a concern that the legislature, as it gets hungry and more hungry for monies down the road, that they very well could um, overdraw the earnings reserve, draw down into the corpus of the fund. I mean, it could be, you know, it's problematic to say the least. Um, At the same time, I think we miss an opportunity to address both issues at once. Now, Maybe this is, you know, maybe he doesn't want to split his split his efforts or whatever, and I can see that. But remember, this is the same Cliff Grow that was criticizing Will Stapp for not putting more issues of when Will Stapp was talking about the spending cap and talking about it was part of the fiscal policy working group's plan. Uh, Cliff was also saying, well, you're not taking on all these other issues. Um, and I don't think that the fiscal policy working group had a component in there that spoke specifically about protecting the permanent fund itself in a constitutional amendment. Maybe it did. I don't, I don't think it did. I don't recall it, that being part of it. But I think it's going to be interesting. The fact that they're quoting Jesse Sumner in here, um, and I'm assuming, um, well, I guess I shouldn't assume. You know, I should not assume. Uh, that, that for sure. Uh, I could tell you that the, uh, let's see who is representative grows, Jesse Shumner, Calvin Schreggy, Wright, Josephson, Garrick, Galvin, Armstrong, and him shoot. Wow. That's a, that's a cast of characters. That is a cast of characters. Um, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. That is an interesting, um, interesting group of folks. I know Brad's going to be talking about this a little bit in the weekly top three, so I won't get too far deep in the weeds on this. But this is an interesting, inter. This is very interesting, interesting development. Um, what was the other thing that I I did want? Oh, 
Yeah. Um, Gary Stevens is carrying on the good work of Senator Peter Machicki seeking to impose the first ever statewide tax on vaping products. Uh, it would also raise the legal age for purchasing and selling, distributing those products to 21, aligning with federal law instead of 19, as it is here in Alaska. Uh, they said it's needed to trend, it's count, to counter the trend of the rising uh, e-cigarette use, vaping use uh, around everything else. Um, they also, they talk about the recent report in Alaska that shows that tobacco use is way down, but that vaping has increased, uh, you know, a lot nearly to offset it. Now there's no discussion on the dangers of they're treating as if the addiction to that nicotine from vaping or that the danger of vaping is, uh, anywhere near the same as combustible tobacco or anything else, which. It's an argument that we're not even making in this country now. They did in England, uh, and they, in fact, they had their overall, their, they've significantly dropped their smoking um, in England because of it. Uh, here's the thing that really gets my goat, though. Um, I, I, the thing that gets my goat is Stephen's statement talking about the taxes he said taxes are effective at reducing tobacco use by both discouraging youths to take up the habit and helping give adults incentives to quit. So, again, he's admitting that it's be it's behavior modification through taxation, which is not government's job. Behavior. Mod they're utilizing taxation as a weapon to modify behavior in people. That's. That's offensive to me, quite honestly. Anytime a politician actually slows down for a minute and admits that that's the point, that's when I just go, that's not your job, man. People make decisions, good or bad. People make decisions. It is not up to you. And to utilize government as a weapon, to weaponize it, to basically try and mold behavior, that offends me. It really does. I mean, we can agree and disagree on many things, but the fact that they're basically trying to use taxation as a weapon to, for behavior modification, it just drives me crazy. Anyway, um, we got to go. We got to jump back into this here. Uh, Brad Keithley is going to be joining us in just a moment. The weekly top three, it is The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more in just a moment and start off with Brad right after this. the show you can listen to it on your time with dukes on demand oh and it's free like america used to be streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and michaeldukeshow.com okay um how you guys doing <clears throat> 
Brett, Brett, I've read that vaping is worse. Um, well, the entire Royal Academy of Medicine and blah, 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 the whole National Health Service would disagree with you and the Royal Cancer Society, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I think whether it was better or worse, it's really none of government's business, quite honestly. Um, I'm going back up here. Um, there's the EPA meetings at the Wood Center. Uh, the Ways and Means Committee has two PFD resolutions, HJR 7 and HJR 8. Um, the POV draws access, allows access to the corpus. Uh, if HJR 9 passes, says Rob Myers, you can say goodbye to the dividend. That's uh, kind of, that's how I read it. Um, <clears throat> if, uh, it would successfully disconnect the people's share of natural resource wealth, says Chris over on Twitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, sorry, I'm just trying to read through all these real quick before I jump over to Brad, who's in the waiting room here. Um, Okay. I think that's Brian uh, Hawk says uh, syntaxes have always been used as behavior modification, but if everyone quit, then a lot of municipalities, a lot of municipalities, municipalities, a lot of municipalities would go broke. And he's not wrong. They'd be the first ones to go out there and light it up and say, "Oh, this is what we want. This is what we want." Yeah, they would. A lot of them would go broke. Absolutely, because they benefit greatly off that kind of stuff. All right. Um, let's jump over to, uh, let's jump over to where, to where Brad is. Let's hang out with Brad, shall we? Before we have to get back to it. Let's, uh, let's do this. We're excited. It's so excited. Hello, Bradley. How are you this morning? <laughs> Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Do, do we yeah, need a party here? Yeah, a little bit we need a party. You, yeah. We need, going? we need a little pump, pump up, hurrah, hurrah. Uh, so yeah, we're all it. Here you are, the father of the Alaskan tax. That's what somebody said about you earlier. The father, <laughs> father of the, of the pain tax, right? Actually, actually that was Jay Hammond. That's true. I mean, we're just, anytime we've talked about this, we're basically quoting Hammond at this time, right? Yeah. Nothing, nothing I've argued, uh, hasn't come out of, uh, out of one of Hammond's books. So, you know, yeah. if you want to blame it, blame it on me, that's fine. But it goes right on back up the line to yeah. Hammond. Yeah, to Hammond. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I who, think who was also who who is also, of course, the father of the PFD. So. Right, exactly. Well, and I mean, I don't you know, I see all this stuff going on, and of course, this is the only bill that they write about. There's three other bills that deal with uh, that are constitutional amendments um with the PFD, the permanent fund and the fund itself and everything else. But this is the only one that they write about. It's just so the, the other two are not even mentioned in this article. And it just, it kind of kind of blows my mind that this is, this is the kind of reporting we're getting on this. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but disappointed, I guess. I mean, what? Well, the, the reporting's reflecting the push, right? So Cliff, Cliff got out there and has really been pushing his bill. Uh, got out there yesterday and has really been pushing pushing the proposed constitutional amendment. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put it in context with the other two, 
so we can so we can understand what's going on here. Uh, but and and hopefully at the end of of that conversation, it'll be clear clear to what I think at least, and maybe clearer about what the right what the what the what the the, the landscape is for uh, for these three these three proposals. Well, I say, look, I, I don't, I hate to always judge a book by its cover, but you know, you're always, you know, you, you know, somebody by the company they keep kind of thing. Right. And all I had to do is look at the, um, all I had to do was look at the co-sponsors of this bill and realize, Oh, this thing is not, it's not friendly. We gotta, we gotta jump back into it. Here we go. We'll start this off the Michael Duke show, common sense radio. That means we're ready to go. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. Uh, guest. It is the weekly. It is the weekly top three. Uh, thank God I talk for a living. Uh, weekly top three, and uh, Brad joins us this morning uh, to talk about those things. Brad, good morning, my friend. Are you ready to jump in with both feet? Michael, I am. I am. I'm, I, uh, ho- hopefully, I've put enough water in my mouth so that I can talk. Yeah, you know, what's not only the water, man. Or whatever. Is there? Is that supposed to be water? Because it smells a lot like. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's get us. Let's talk uh, here. Let's get oh, things. T- t- Terry's been messing with your with your drink selection. Well, I had you 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 turned me on to the wine smoothie in the morning. That's the thing. <laughs> not really. Uh, all right, the proposed spending. Uh, in what we're looking at right now is starting to pile up a little bit, starting to add up. K-12, defined benefits, child care, university. Uh, oof, man, there's some there's some dollars here in this big old pile. What are we talking about? Well, one of the things that, that's been noticeably absent in the in the conversation, at least the conversation I've noticed, is is somebody keeping a running tab on how much additional spend or how much total spending we're talking about uh, in the FY24 budget. People will talk about, you know, we need to do K through 12. We need to do defined benefits. We need to do childcare. We need to do more spending for the university. Uh, They'll talk about those in discrete, in discrete chunks, um, but they, but they don't really total it up. So what I, what I tried to do, um, is prepare a spreadsheet, which is what I do when I try to understand things. What I tried to do was come at it a different way and look at the level of the PFD they're talking about and then use that to back into what the spending level is that they're talking about. Because all, most of these people are talking about leftover PFDs. So when you when you think about when you think about what PFD they're talking about, you can you can you can back calculate what spending level they're talking about. And it's, and it's pretty interesting. The baseline um, spending level, if, if we have no additional revenues, no PFD cuts, just, just run on trad re, tra, traditional revenues, the baseline spending level is about $4.2 billion. That is based upon current um, uh, futures markets, oil, oil futures markets, and based upon the estimate of what the other tax and, and other fees and other revenues are going to be. We're at about 4.2 billion. The administration has proposed 4.9 billion, uh, which is about a, uh, a, a PFD cut of about 30%. Uh, if you if you look at it in terms of 
what's left over for the PFD after, if you spend this amount and take and have to take the the debt is talking about the 4.2 billion, which is the which is the the traditional revenue level. Everybody's talking about something above that, and the administration's talking about about 700 million uh, above uh, the 4.2 uh, level. POMV 5050. Um, if you adopted POMV 5050, and the other 50 percent not used for the PFD was used for uh, government uh, government revenues, uh, that'd be about 4.9. 4.96 billion. That's what we would be talking about in terms of, of spending levels. Ledge Finance, uh, when they calculated the current policy, what they what they say is the current policy budget, that is continuing the policies of the last fiscal year, uh, cuts and, and additions, uh, they come up to about 4.97 $4 billion, which is very close to a, a POMB 50-50. So if we stuck with that budget, we'd be at about a POMB 50-50. Ledge Finance also talks about a current law uh, budget. The current law budget uh, pays for everything provided by current law, interestingly enough, except for the PFD. So all of the all of the, the school reimbursement, school construction reimbursement, all of the uh, various programs that have statutory calculations to them. Uh, that's what the that's what the uh, Ledge Finance current law budget is, and that's about five point three four billion. So we're we're about uh, 9% at that point over the administration. Then the next level up is the FY23 budget. And this is the budget that you know spent everything they possibly could. We didn't think they could ever spend any more than the FY23 budget. So I, so I put the FY23 budget in there and that's $5.68 billion. That would result in a, in a PFD cut of about 60%. We'd have about a 40% uh, PFD. And then there's and and now we get into what people are talking about. People in 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 the legislature are talking about in their various current proposals. Senator Stedman's talked about a thirteen hundred dollar PFD. So when you back calculate that into what that means in terms of spending, uh, the Senate majority is talking about a spending level of five point eight one billion dollars. If you add all of their if 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 you add their K through twelve proposal there. Defined benefits proposal, childcare, all the other stuff. Sorry, Brad, we 25% lost. Twenty-five percent would go to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Twenty-five percent would go to government, uh, or twenty-five percent would go to the PFD. Seventy-five percent to government. That's a spending level of five point eight four billion dollars. And then you get to Zach Fields, a thousand dollar PFD. <laughs> what, what's left over after a thousand dollar PFD? Six billion dollars uh, for government. Uh, right. Twenty-three per. 23 percent uh, uh, higher than what the administration's proposed. There, there's one other thing on that sheet I want to mention, Michael, before we start talking about, it, and that is the far right side, okay. the, the 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 tax calculation, and and this isn't this isn't proposing a tax, not proposing a tax. This is simply analyzing how much of the of of the funds are being converted in terms of PFD cuts. How much of the funds that otherwise should go to the private sector are being converted over to government. Um, and those numbers are, are pretty astounding. We're talking about tax rates. And again, tax in the sense that we're cutting the PFD, we're moving that money out of the private sector over to the government sector. And, and I've calculated these on the basis of Alaska adjusted gross income, which is the combined income of, of all Alaska families. The, the administration's proposing, even the administration's proposing a tax, a tax on the Alaska economy 
in the sense of moving money out of the PFD over to the government sector of 2.5% um, of, of AGI, of, of, the, of the revenues, gross revenues of Alaska family, gross income of Alaska family. Uh, the FY or the FY 23 budget would be uh, six point or 5.3%. And fields, by the time you get up to fields, fields' proposal would be a tax level on the Alaska, on the Alaska, on Alaska families income of 6.5%. We're talking about some huge tax burdens that, that are being tucked away, hidden right. by doing them as, as PFD cuts. And you look, you went into this backing into this saying, well, if they keep talking about these leftover PFDs, then what money is left on the table? And basically that's what you're doing here, showing that they could spend up to $6 billion on government, still give us a thousand dollar PFD, pat us on the head, tell us we're doing a good job and still be spending more than they ever have before. All the while still owing money to the constitutional budget reserve and everything else. And, and instead of being frugal with that, they're just basically spending every nickel that they can find and still trying to keep us quiet on the PFD. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what Zach's doing is saying, oh, well, a thousand dollar PFD, you should be happy with that. I'll take the rest. Government will take the rest of that, and that adds up to, you know, six billion dollars that 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 they've got to spend. Stedman, the thirteen hundred dollar PFD. You know, Stedman said we could do all this and still have a thirteen hundred, still have a thirteen hundred dollar PFD, as if that's a good thing compared to the the statutory uh, 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 statutory statutory PFD this year of thirty six hundred dollars. But Stedman said Stedman said we could do all this and still have a thirteen hundred dollar PFD. Well, that adds up. That adds up to shifting to government five point eight billion dollars more than the government spent in uh, in FY twenty three uh, after all the bells and whistles were were accounted for. So, I mean, they're talking about they're talking about some huge shifts, and they're hiding it. The thing the thing that the thing that I continually try to try to you know find ways to bring out is they're hiding it in terms of PFD cuts. It's a tax rate. Stedman's is a tax rate of 5.8% on, on Alaska family income. 5.8% average average tax rate across the board. Now, we're not talking about top 20%. We're not talking about bottom 20%. We're talking about the average rate across the board. 5.8% tax rate on Alaska family income. That's what he's taking out of Alaska families uh, and putting by, by, by cutting the PFD, taking out of Alaska families and putting it uh, into government. I, that's, I mean, that's a huge tax rate. And, and for an average tax rate across across all income brackets, that's a huge tax rate, um, uh, probably one of the highest in the nation's highest in the nation. But we hide it. They try to hide it by calling it a PFD cut instead of a tax, and and instead of calculating it as as what are you taking out of the income of Alaska families, they calculate it as well. How much of the PFD do you, how much PFD do you get? How much you know you're so lucky to get this thirteen hundred dollars? Right, it's, right. Well, and of course, they look us in the eye and say, well, Alaska doesn't have any taxes, so you guys should just be happy with what we're doing. Again, uh, setting us up not only for not only gaslighting us on the whole fact that the PFD cut is a tax, but also setting us up for the future argument, which is, well, you guys just don't pay your fair share. So we need more taxes in the long run anyway. Um, man, six billion, six billion dollars. I mean, that's a huge, huge number comparatively. Uh, I mean, I remember when 2014, when you and I first started talking about this, we were looking for them to try and guarantee that they were going to spend no more than $4.1 billion just to stay within that. So they didn't mess things up. And of course, look at where we are today. Um, 
we're coming up on the break here, Brad. So give us number two, uh, which is the uh, which is the you know the tease on uh, where uh, on this new bill, this new HJR bill, which is the House Joint Resolution uh, Bill from Cliff Grow. Uh, give us the tease on this, and we'll come back to it here. Well, Cliff Grow's proposed this new constitutional amendment. Got a lot of press yesterday. But we need to understand it in the context of what else is going on in Ways and Means. That bill's been referred to Ways and Means. We need to understand it in the context of what's going on, what else is going on in Ways and Means. And when you understand it in that context, the, the co-sponsorship by Jesse Sumner and Stanley Wright, two Republicans, becomes very curious. I'm not quite sure what they're up to, but we'll talk about that after the break. Brad Keithley is our guest. The Michael Luke Show continues. The weekly top three. We got number uh, one out of the out of the way. Let's get to number two. We'll do it right after this. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. The Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and/or FM translator. Back with more right after this. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Our guest here on the program. Um, I just broke I just broke something. Oh, there we go. Uh all right, uh Brad. Uh, this is about, the amount of money we're talking about here is just is so mind boggling, and the fact that these legislators are just like, "Yep, we need to we need to spend this, we need to spend it. We're spending more than we've ever spent before, but we still need to spend it." And you guys can just you know be happy that we gave you that we threw you the thousand dollar bone, right? That's exactly how they're trying to sell it. I mean, Zach Fields uh, has proposed this thousand dollar PFD. Uh, it's one of the bills that's in that's in ways and means now, and he does this calculation of, you know, average PFDs over time. Zach Fields, who is the world's biggest cheerleader for you have to inflation adjust everything, does this calculation without inflation adjusting the PFD. Does this non-inflation adjusted calculation of the PFD, but it comes out to about a thousand dollars. And Zach Fields says you ought to be happy with a thousand dollars. That's the average that, you know, all Alaska families have received over time. Without saying, without without or without discussing, of course, how much is being diverted to government, how much of the PFD is being taxed and diverted to government, as as a result of as a result of his proposal. I mean, they've broken they've broken into the kitty the 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 piggy bank, Michael. They've broken into with 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 Walker's you know veto and and the legislature's follow up uh, ad hoc decisions on the PFD. They've broken into the into the piggy bank of the PFD. And just like the, just like what we saw with the SBR and the CBR, and now with the PFD, it's just going down and down and down and down and down because each year comes up with a new justification of, oh, well, we got to use the money for this, or we got to use the money for that, or we got to use the money for everything. And they're, and they're doing it under the cover of PFD cuts. Instead of, instead of being honest and talking about how much they're taxing Alaska families, how much of Alaska families' income they're taking out of Alaska families' pockets and diverting it over to government. Instead of being honest about that, 
they're trying to cover it by just talking about the resulting PFD amount and how lucky we are that we ought to be, you know, how thankful we are that we that we should be uh, that we're receiving that amount. And I guess that's what boggles my mind. I mean, do they, it, and, you know, because I don't think that anybody is, maybe it's my naivete. I just don't like to think that anybody is like, you know, twirling their mustache evilly in the background and, and doing this. They truly think that this is the best thing for Alaskans, that for all this government spend to be there, for government to take care of everything. I mean, I just, I, I'm trying to wrap my, I mean, history shows that, that's not the best road to tread, and yet these people continue to just fly against that and act like this is the best thing going. Well, you know, uh, Rob Myers ha has really done has really done some good thinking on this, and it's that you know the the biggest pot of money, biggest concentrated pot of money is flowing through government's hands, right? I mean, the PFD, unfortunately, as as opposed to you know the normal trust fund distribution. Uh, going directly to the trust fund recipients, the PFD flows through government's hands, and you know, and everybody goes, "Well, I got this, I got this pet project," and and look, you know, government's always paid for it in the past. I mean, we we've, we've we've built projects, we've built roads, we've done programs because we always had this oil money in the past. I know oil money's going down, but I still want all my my pet projects, right? I mean, I it it's coming from constituents to to a degree. I still want all my pet projects. And, and the other projects are bad, but my project's really good. And by the time you add all that up, it takes more money. And, and since oil is no longer providing that money, where are you going to go for it? And, you know, in the 20 teens, we went to the, we went to the, to the, to the savings accounts to right. continue. Right. Laissez bon temps rouler, you know, keep, keep the good times going. And, and now in the 2020s, we've run through the, we've run through the savings accounts. Where are we going to go now? And, and because of that one little thing, because of the fact the PFD goes through government's fingers on its way to, on its way to the people, yep, we're going to snap that. And we're going to tell you it's good for you. <laughs> right, right. And you're going to like it. And, and you're going you're gonna to be satisfied with what we give you kind of thing. And, and, and aren't you lucky we still let, you know, some of it trickle down. Yeah. We won't for long. We, we, can't, we, can't keep this go we can't keep this going forever. Um, uh, just like, you know, we finally ran through the SBR and ran through the CBR. We're going to finally run through the, the, the PFD, but while we're, while we're going, you know, you ought to be lucky that we're, that we're letting any of it trickle through, go, go on through our fingers and get down into your pocket. Chris, I think summates it well. If looting the PFD is bad for the economy, the two possible motivations are evil and stupid. Got to be one or the other or both. And maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. I think the greed and evil can be synonymous at this point. They just feel like they know better than us. Well, they know better than us, but but they would say with some justification that their constituents are still demanding it. You know, trained by the whole the whole era of we got so much money we don't want don't right. know what to do with it. Let's create this program, that program, that trained by that era and continued in the 20 teens by draining down the, the savings accounts. Constituents go, I need, you know, I need something. So let's go to government to get it. Well, like Rob said yesterday uh, or Monday, he still got constituents from his district walking in asking for money. It's amazing. Here we go. The Michael Duke show. The Michael Duke show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. 
Brad Keithley, our guest uh, here on the Michael Luke Show. We're continuing with the weekly top three into number two, which is the new HJR House Joint Resolution Constitutional Amendment put forward by Cliff Grow and company to uh, roll the ERA and the corpus into one fund and then limit the draw on this. Uh, my one drawback that I see on this is that if they do that, they've immediately killed the statutory PFD because there's no longer an earnings reserve account to draw from for the formula to be factored on. Um, but I think there's some other issues too. Brad, what uh, what do you see when you look at this? Well, we got we, we got to put this in context. There's on on March 1st, House Ways and Means introduced two committee bills uh, dealing with the PFD. One is HJR 7, which uh, constitutionalizes the PFD uh, at, I believe, current statutory levels uh, and, and, and simply adds another provision to, the, to the, the, the permanent fund amendment to the Constitution to say, and we constitutionalize the PFD. This is how it should be calculated. Oh, no. That, that that amendment simply says it'll be done according to statute. So whatever the statute says uh, is incorporated into the Constitution, and, and that's how we're going to deal with it. That's HJR 7. HJR 8, also introduced on the same day, on March 1st, uh, is, is sort of an alternative proposal, as I understand it, which is we're going to constitutionalize both the, the permanent fund, sort of in the same way HJR 9 does, sort of in the same way Cliff Grove proposes, we're going to constitutionalize the permanent fund and protect the permanent fund and only draw only draw 5%, I believe is the amount in that, in that constitutional amendment, only draw 5% into the earnings reserve. But at the same time, it also constitutionalizes the PFD at the higher, if I recall correctly, at the higher of uh, either the current statutory calculation or POMB 50-50. And says and says the the we're only going to drive five percent. We're going to constitutionalize the PFD at at that amount, and then what's left over from the PO from the constitutionalized POMB draw, what's left over, uh, will go uh, will go to government. So those those two bills, those two constitutional proposed constitutional amendments, were submitted as as committee uh, proposals on March first. Now now comes Cliff Grow's amendment, proposed amendment in that context uh, of those two bills already laying there. And what Cliff is saying is rather than the first bill, which would constitutional the first committee bill, which would constitutionalize the PFD, or the second committee bill, which would do what Cliff wants to do, but also add in constitutionalizing the PFD, his, his third, the Cliff's bill, HJR 9, uh, constitutionalizes uh, only the permanent fund and doesn't say anything uh, about the uh, about the PFD. So in the context, what's going on is the first two bills are protecting the P the first bill protects the PFD. The second bill protects the POMB draw, constitutionalizes the POMB draw and protects the PFD. And now Cliff's third bill only protects the uh, the POMB. In that context, it's clear that Cliff's bill is is undoing is is removing the protections for the PFD right. and putting the PFD at risk. Here's the here's the interesting thing. In that context, the third bill, Cliff's bill, gets two Republican co-sponsors, Jesse Sumner and Stanley Wright. Rather than rather than ad adopt or support one of the two committee bills, one of the proposed uh, uh, two committee amendments, they go along with Cliff 
and and a number of other Democrats, a number number of other in the minority, and 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 agree to co-sponsor a bill that's only protecting the PFD or only protecting the POMV, not protecting the PFD. And I find that really, really interesting. I I, I truly wonder what's in Jesse and Stanley's minds when they did that, because it's it. I mean, it it's clear in that context. That that they're not they're not proposing to protect the PFD in any way, shape, or form. So I I um I, I I'm I'm troubled by Cliff's bill in that context. I'm troubled by Cliff's bill. Uh, I'm 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 especially troubled by the fact that it drew two Republican co-sponsors. Uh, one of the things that Donna points out in the uh, the uh, chat room as well is that HGR seven bypasses the appropriation process for the PFD as well. It says the state shall pay the PFD, which is what they did for years. It was basically just a transfer. It was a it was it didn't even go through the appropriations process, and the legislature really wasn't even involved, which kind of goes back to where we were before. So yeah, very troubling that you've got protect the PFD protect the POMV and the PFD, and then just protect the POMV. And of course, that's the only one that really gets any press is the one from the Democrats that's protect the POMV, protect the government spend essentially at the cost of everything else. Well, I think there's a couple of things going on with, with why it got publicity. I think Cliff pushed it and he, and he, and he was able to push it because he got by, because he got Jesse and Stanley and, and, and Stanley's support for it. So he was able to sell it as a bipartisan proposal uh, to, uh, to protect, protect the permanent fund. And then he pushed it out to, you know, admittedly probably what's a very receptive audience in the press, but, but I, and I don't, and I don't think the, the majority, I don't think the committee or the majority uh, did the same press, uh, push with, uh, with the first two bills, but I, but, you know, just looking through it and looking at the context in which Cliff's bill is proposed, uh, in the context of the of the other two bills that are already setting on Ways and Means's uh, desk, uh, it's just uh, I mean clearly clearly we have a divide going on. Clearly we have those who want to protect uh, the PFD with HJR seven. Clearly those who want to protect uh, the the PFD and the POMV. What's what frankly is more in line with the fiscal policy working group proposal uh, in HJR eight. And then you have the other extreme going out the other extreme with protect the, the, the POMV only. But to have Jesse and to have Sumner and and Wright on that last bill, protect the POMV only, is, um, is, is just a troubling development. What do you think it spells for the legislature in that regard? I mean, what do you think it spells for the majority and the minority in that? I mean, what do you say? Well, I, I, think, I think what should come through Ways and Means, if you look at the membership of Ways and Means, uh, what should come on through Ways and Means is is HJR uh, eight, which is to protect the POMV, uh, which is one one tenant of the fiscal policy working group, and constitutionalize the protect the permanent fund, which is one tenant of the of the of the working group, and then constitutionalize the PFD, which is another tenant of the working group, and and HJR nine. Uh, just to protect the permanent fund only or protect the POMV only, I think should just, should go by the wayside, but, but, it, but it, 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 there, there's some signal going on here with Jesse and Stanley signing on to, to Cliff's bill. And it's not a good signal. Um, and I, and I'm not quite sure what that means down the road. I, I think, I think the committee's doing a good job sort of bringing everything together, developing the context, putting bills out there that they can talk about. Uh, that that achieve the fiscal policy working group's objectives, building up the record for that, and then and then you know trying to push it on as a package, hopefully as a package, hopefully not 
anything breaking off into, you know, separate pieces. Um, I think they're doing a good job at that, but, you know. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, we're talking about the weekly top three. Uh, we're moving on here in just a hot second. We're going to move from number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we understand you're trying to get it. Yep. But, uh, but with Jesse and Stanley on board, it's, it's, it, there's something else going on. Uh, Brad Keithley, number two now, pretty much finalized. Finalized. We've got uh, three minutes here. Can you give us number three? Hit us with number three on the way in. Yep. So a lot of press about Willow, the the administration's Willow decision. Um, uh, Rob Myers told me last night that uh, the word is that the administration, the Biden administration's decision on Willow is going to come out tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot riding on on uh, on the Willow decision, not from the standpoint of state fiscal. We talked about this before, uh, for various reasons, because it's on federal lands, not state lands. Because the the tax code, the the production tax code, allows deferment of taxes, well, actually a holiday for taxes, for several several years from new developments. Uh, Willow doesn't mean much in the in the near or even the intermediate term from the state fiscal standpoint. But from a state economy standpoint, from from jobs, from construction activity, from you know uh, uh, contracts being let, from you know everything from food services all the way up to construction of ice roads and every and construction of of pads and everything else, it means a lot to the overall Alaska economy. So we're going to find out this week, maybe tomorrow, uh, very soon, what the Biden administration is going to do on this, and and frankly. I, I still expect the Biden administration to approve uh, the, what the BLM proposed, which is the three pad alternative. What Conoco has said is the minimum that it's gonna take for the project to be economic. Uh, I still anticipate the Biden administration approving that, frankly, because of Lisa. They need Lisa in the Senate. And I think, uh, I think she's made very clear that her support of the Biden administration um, uh, hinges on uh, their approval of the three pad alternative. So. I, I still expect him to do that, but you know, there's a lot of pushback on it, a lot of environmental uh, community pushing back, trying to uh, trying to kill the whole thing with either, you know, conditioning it on two pads or 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 denying it altogether like they have Pebble. So we'll um, we'll, we'll we'll see this week, but big deal for the Alaska economy. There's going to be a lot of press about it, but keep in mind it's big for the Alaska economy. It's not big for Alaska's fiscal situation. It right. is not a cure in any way, shape, or Right, form because, again, it, for the economy, because it creates jobs and there's add-on industries and everything else, not for the fiscal picture of the state itself, because the state is only slated to make like $5 billion over the course of the life of the whole thing, which is, in the scheme of things, is not a lot of money when we're spending 5 or $6 billion a year. It's not a lot of money in the long run. Right, and that's pushed back because of the – because of the uh, the way that the tax code works, that's pushed back into into the later years in any event. So not much money and not much money to the state, and it's not coming anytime soon. You always bring the best news, Brad. You always bring the good stuff. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting to watch, uh, to see how these things are laying out. These HJR, the resolutions, the three resolutions, I think are going to be some things to watch. They're all part of this plan for the Fiscal Policy Working Group, which we'd like to see come together as a whole thing. But we'll keep the analysis rolling on that. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, Brad, for coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more 
right after this. Uh, I was just looking back uh, during our discussion on the different uh, joint resolutions. Um, uh, Her- uh, excuse me, Kevin says that uh, HDR7 is essentially what was proposed by the uh, Fiscal Policy Working Group. You say that you like eight more than seven, specifically because why? Because it protects the overdraw right. of the POMV. Is that what your your take is? Right. Right. And I, and I, and, and there was parts of, I, I mean, Kevin would know better than I would, but I think there were parts of that in the fiscal policy working group as well. Certainly there, there's, there's a big chunk of the legislature that um, is concerned about that as well. And in, in, in terms of putting together a package that tries to compromise on everything, I think that's a, I think that's a useful part of it. I mean, basically overdraws, overdraws are attacks on future generations, right? I mean, it's it's making this, it, it's sort of like what we did with savings during the 20 teens. We made this generation better by pulling easier, our life easier by pulling down the SBR and the CBR. So we didn't have to use any of our funds to pay for it. We were just using accumulated savings funds from the past, but it's the future generations, future generations who won't have a CBR of their own when they hit their fiscal, their fiscal challenges that are gonna pay for it. So it's essentially, it's an intergenerational, intergenerational tax. Same thing's true from drawing down, you know, taking more than the five percent, using five percent as a proxy for what the overall returns are over time. Uh, uh, real returns. Uh, it's it's essentially a tax on future generations. So, if we're going to stop taxes, you know, unnecessary, undisclosed, uh, uh, secret taxes, then we need to both protect the current PFD and we need to protect. Uh, raids on future generations by overdrawing the the the, P, the permanent fund. I think that uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, that that these folks continue to try and find ways when it's all said and done to basically pay lip service. I mean, Grow is quoted in the article from KTUU as saying, "Well, he supports the permanent fund and he'd like to see it enshrined, but of course." I mean, there's already a bill to do what he wants to do and protect the permanent fund, but he just put one in to protect the BOMV, which again looks right back at the whole protecting government spend. I mean, you're right. I find the I find the motivations of Wright and Sumner at this point to be very opaque. I can't figure out exactly why they wouldn't support the two bills that are already out there. Uh, Kevin says we need both seven and eight to be passed. Uh, to do it. I mean, there's already two bills in there. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do, why wouldn't you support those? I, I, I can't reason as to why they would want to do that other than to protect government spend, which seems kind of contrary to their constituency and to the mission statement. Well, protect government spend and protect the top 20%. I mean, Jesse, I've always, it's sort of like Will Stapp, right? I mean, Jesse, Jesse talks a good game, but, but when you sort of go through, parse through what his words are, it's always about protecting the top 20%. You know, use the PFD if we have to. PFD is nice, but, you know, use it if we have to. Don't tax, don't tax Alaskans without recognizing the PFD's attacks. And, 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 and Cliff's b- bill, you know, would be, could be viewed by some as a protect the top 20% uh, bill because it's going to protect the, the permanent fund 
corpus is going to protect it out into the future, uh, let it build up over time, uh, and 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 allow all the earnings to be used uh, to be used for government, so that you so that you don't have to tax the top twenty percent to 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 get any money in there for government. And and so, you know, viewed from that angle, I sort of can sort of figure out what what's going through Jesse's mind. Stanley, I have no idea what's going through his mind. I mean, I. I, I, I've understood Stanley to be more in line with 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 you know Republican thinking that that we've seen in the in the majority about the importance of the PFD, but you know maybe maybe, I, maybe I've misunderstood what Stanley's doing. What are you watching this week, Brad? We got about two minutes here. What are you watching this week to you know to kind of keep your eye on, so to speak? Well, um, Willow certainly will be it will be a big deal from the standpoint of the economy. Uh, the buildup to next Monday's uh, Ways and Means Committee uh, meeting uh, is going to be interesting. Uh, next uh, this, on the schedule, if I understand it, for Ways and Means next Monday is public testimony on the two on HJR seven and HJR eight, uh, and hopefully there will be a lot of support uh, for those two, not only from other legislators but from the uh, from the public as well, and sort of how that builds up during the week to next uh, Monday evening's uh, uh, hearing. Uh, is going to be if, I, if I've got the dates right. Somehow, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, how that sort of builds up to next uh, to the to the next uh, 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 Ways and Means Committee hearing uh, is going to be interesting as well. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. You can follow him on Facebook, where he posts up his weekly chart of the week and everything else. Plus, he's got a uh, public testimony is on Saturday as well, from 9 a.m. to ah. 11 a.m. on that as well. All right, so, so, so I'll be I'll be focused on. Public testimony on Saturday as opposed to next Monday. Yeah, um, but uh, you could follow Brad along on Facebook where he posts his chart of the week and everything else. He's also got his weekly column in the Alaska Landmine. Uh, and uh, you can uh, you can argue with him on Twitter, too. He, I'm sure he loves that. That's, uh, that's fun stuff. Uh, Brad Keithley, uh, thanks so much for coming on board and, um, uh, and joining us uh, this week. I appreciate you being part of it. Michael, as always, uh, thanks for having me. All right, folks, uh, we're going to uh, let me uh, let me dive in here and uh, be the uh, be the one and only here. Uh, Brad Keithley, thank you so much. Uh, we're coming up into it. Hour two uh, of the broadcast. Um, I'm curious. I mean, I don't know why. Why um, Jesse and uh, Stanley Wright would want to support this bill when two other bills are already waiting in the wings. And this one obviously is an attempt to break out and basically wreck the PFD. I don't, I don't know why they would be down with this, but I guess we're going to, I guess we'll talk about that here in the next segment. The Michael Duke show, common sense radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. 
That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is the Michael Duke Show. Good morning. Welcome to hour two of the big radio broadcast. We just finished up with a discussion with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets in the weekly top three. Um, of the two topics that he covered uh, today, the first one um, that... Uh, um, the, the first the first topic, which was the amount that is actually being spent uh, and the, you know, the the deliverables, uh, you know, basically when people like Zach Field, uh, Zach Fields or Bert Stedman are wandering around saying, well, you can have a thousand dollar PFD or you could have a thirteen hundred dollar PFD. They never then turn around and tell you exactly what that means for them, which is. It backfills and leaves them a ton of money to spend on all the projects they want. Uh, they want a brand new, um, you know, defined benefits bill, or they want a new BSA, or they want state subsidized or state run child care. Uh, they want all these different things uh, in there, and it's a tremendous amount of money. Uh, I mean, going back to Brad's, uh, going back to Brad's chart here that he had up this morning, taking a look at this and realizing that, you know, again, fiscal year 23, which is what we're in right now, had the largest state budget ever, $5.68 billion. And yet when you look at the amount of money that uh, is would be spent under a Fields plan of $1,000 PFD or a Stedman plan of a $1,300 PFD, you realize that both of those spend between a quarter and uh, and a and a half a billion dollars more. Fields plan leaves unrestricted general fund spending in the six billion dollar range. I mean, the government growth is out of control. Government growth is out of control, and uh, and part of it is just because of you and me. Now, maybe not specifically you and me, because if you're probably listening to this program, you are probably a fan of a lower, more sustainable budget, a smaller, more limited government. That's probably where you, you know, where you fall on the on the political or philosophical spectrum. But I mean, we heard from Rob Myers on Monday, yesterday. That's yesterday was Monday. We heard from Rob Myers yesterday that he still has constituents who are reaching out to him, you know, emails, phone calls, you know, people showing up at town halls, still asking for more government spending in their districts. And this is this is a the North Pole, the district that Rob represents is probably one of the more conservative districts in the entire state. Yet they're still going hat in hand to him. And he's and he again, this is not just a, you know, 50 50 thing, uh, you know, basically. And Rob's in the chat room right now. He can lay it out to me. But what I took away from that was that it was more like a four or five to one 
of four or five people coming in asking for money versus people asking him to cut. Out of one of the most conservative districts in the state, that's discouraging, I guess is the word I want to use. Discouraging? And the spending is is just a the spending is just a symptom of the larger disease. Government is out of control in every aspect. Brian just said that in the chat room, and I agree with that. They you know gotten into every aspect of our lives, and they continue to pick away at it. And if they can't do anything else, at least they raise funds out of it. That was the uh, the the news story that just came out uh, with uh, uh, with. Uh, Senator Gary Stevens, who's now putting forward a new vaping bill because, you know, and he admits right down in the middle of the of the piece that this is all about behavior modification. That they want to that they want to control and and direct the way that you act. Now, I'm not saying that people don't have people should have the choice, even if the even if the choices that they make are self-destructive. That is a choice, and that is on people, whether they want to smoke or drink or do drugs or whatever it is or, you know, overspend and live on credit or whatever, however you want to paint a bad picture for things that are self-destructive for people, they should have the right, I mean, they they should have the right to make their own choices in in that case instead of Having government come in and say, well, you know, we're using taxes as a uh, behavior modification tool. We want people not to do the things that they're going to do. Um, You know, it's like saying, well, these kids and the smoking and the, you know, look, when I was when I was growing up in high school, there were kids out behind the school who were smoking lots of different things. Right. It it happened. It, It. Kids are going to, people are going to do bad things, especially the youth. I mean, they're going to do things that are bad for them because, for whatever reason, rebel with a cause or just because they're, you know, they're antisocial or whatever, or they're experimenting or, but, but adults need to have those choices too. They need to be able to make their own choices and live with the consequences of those choices. But instead, we've got a bunch of do-gooders in the legislature and in the government as a, as a whole who think that somehow they know better than you how you should live your life at every level. And whether that's controlling your money, whether that's modifying your behavior, whether that's forcing you to do the things that they think are right and moral, and wh- again, whether that's having to accept the fact that what was the headline? Having to accept the fact that now the Alaska, um, I'm sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking for the headline. The Alaska, um, the the power lifters. Where, where is the the headline? Did it disappear? Power lifters. Oh, I know. It's in. It was. Uh, it was most read. Um, power lifters in Alaska are now being forced Anchorage-based USA powerlifting ordered to allow trans women to compete in Minnesota meets. What what is it that government is involved in every aspect of our life now and we've almost become inured to it instead of outraged? 
we've become inured to it. And we're just kind of like, well, that's just how it is. And so might as well get mine while we're at it, right? Might as well get, might as well get some of mine done while we're at it. I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand how this is, this is where we're at. And now we've got, again, these bills that are coming out uh, to change and to, to protect the government spend at all costs. And that's what HJR 9 is. It's a protection of the government spend at all, at all costs. No matter what's going on, that's what's, that's what's going on. Um, the rookie, and, and whether or not Cliff Grow is, um, um, you know, whether or not Cliff Grow is just a really good at convincing people, maybe Jesse and uh, Stanley, you know, were rookered and schnookered. We saw that happen earlier, right, from Josephson when he rolled the Republican chair of the uh, committee that he was in with the defined benefits plan. He, he kind of hoodwinked the chair of that committee to get it rolled on through. Whether Grow is just really good at uh, talking people into things or selling them a bill of goods or not, this is the one that's getting all the press. You know, what we need to be talking about, quite honestly, is the other two um, amendments, HJR 7 and HJR 8, which would protect the permanent fund and protect the corpus and the, and the, against the overdraw of the fund and the ERA. But again, they've got the friendly ear of the news. I mean, nowhere in any of these articles um, does the. Uh, wait a second. Let me make sure. Make sure I'm not misspeaking here. Um, but nowhere that I saw in the articles did the did the articles mention that um, about this other about the other two uh, proposed uh, HJRs, House Joint Resolutions. All they did is talk about Cliff's, you know, Cliff grows, not about the two that are sitting in committee, you know, not that they're there ready to go. They've got a very friendly ear when it comes to uh, the, the news media and everything else. And it's very frustrating to watch because it seems like that's the only conversations are being had about what they want to have conversations about. And the average person is not diving down into these things to the depth, uh, to the depths that we are. Right. I mean, you, you guys are, you're super voters, right? You're informed. You, you've, you've taken uh, you've taken a crack at it. You're doing all these things. The average person is just reading the headlines and maybe the subheading underneath of it. And that's it. They're not really getting down into the meat and potatoes of it. They don't understand the unintended consequences of what they're voting on or reading a lot of the time because they're busy. They just, you know, it's not maybe politics is not their thing. They don't they don't care. They trust their they trust their representatives. I mean, whether that's good or bad or not, I mean, you know, but that's the direction that we're going right now. I can't fathom why uh, why Jesse uh, Sumner and uh, Stanley Wright would sign on to this bill. Maybe they got bamboozled. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they're showing their true colors. I don't know. But why aren't we talking about these other two bills as well? In all fairness, if we've got three constitutional amendments, why aren't we talking about all three, especially since the other two are coming out of a committee? 
they are being sponsored. They're committee sponsored. They don't have, they can't have co-sponsors on committee bills. But why, why are we not talking about those two as well? Well, because they don't have the friendly ear of the legislature, apparently, or the friendly ear of the uh, news media, apparently. That's where we're at right now. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating to watch this kind of stuff come down. Um, all right. Um, we've got, I guess we've got, uh, we've got to, we've got to take a break. We've got to come back. We've got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke show continues. Chris story will be our guest up next for our weekly PMA uplift, our boost, our positivity boost. The man from Homer comes in to join us right after this. Don't go anywhere. Story, the obnoxiously positive and sometimes hilarious man from Homer, joins us every week to talk about pottery, positivity, and how not to become a nihilist. We're looking at you, Eric. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Your mental suppository. The Michael Dukes Show. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. What else we got here? Um, Bethel's 13% sin tax on cigarettes doesn't do anything to cut underage smoking. It just fills a $1.5 million loss on a swimming pool. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, it's, it's good. Um... All taxes are behavior modification, says Donna. Tax income in your taxing production. Taxes, income taxes are designed to modify behavior and reduce production. I guess you're right in that regard, Donna. Um, I would say that what really bothers me is when they blatantly say the quiet part out loud and say we're trying to modify your behavior. At least, I guess the golden lining, the gold, the is that they don't say that on income taxes but boy do they say it when they're talking about sin taxes and things like that rob says when i was talking about his district he says i have the second most conservative senate district in the state and they're still walking in with their hands out what is it rob four to one five to one people asking for uh people asking for more money from the state is it four to one versus people who are asking you to cut 50 to 1. Sorry, I scrolled upwards. 50 to 1. Until yesterday, after he mentioned it on the show, and now people are getting their message out. I mean, I I think quite honestly, we're tired. I mean, we're I mean, I know that I'm tired of saying the same things over and over again and having absolutely no one listen. But I mean, there we are. It's it's crazy. Um, let's see if overspending is the problem, the wooden spending cuts make sense as the best solution. I would agree with you, but as Rob just pointed out, that's not what the constituencies are asking for. 
It's just frustrating. Frustrating. Kevin McCabe says he's never had anyone in his office asking for cuts. Uh, well, damn, son. Also one of the most conservative districts in the state. Never had anybody. I'm asking for cuts, Kevin. I'm not in your office, but I'm asking for cuts. Does that count? Um, just scrolling down here, scrolling down. Uh, 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 One World Alliance. Bill asked the question about what does Alaska Airlines mean by proud member of the One World Alliance? Isn't that an alliance of airlines? Isn't that what it is? But, I mean, you know. Um, Stedman manages the states like he manages roads. Caitlin Road is complete do- debacle. Debacle. Um, be more strident, says Robbie. That's her answer. Be more strident. I mean, yeah. Uh, um, when I get home, Sumner and Wright are going to be getting an earful from me, says Terry. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just looking, I'm looking at all these comments here and interesting. <clears throat> I want cuts along with Michael, Kevin. Uh, does that count? That's Linda says, I want cuts as well. So I guess you've got two people now asking for cuts who are in your district, Kevin. I mean, we're just asking for a friend. Can you cut? We don't want to see it. All right. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Hello, my friend. How are you? Chris, are you with us? Okay. Well, that's disappointing. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, hold the line. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, well, uh, hi, how are you? Welcome back to the program. It is Tuesday, and we're in hour two of the program, and that means we get a chance to talk with uh, our uh, with our positivity guru. That's what he is. He's a guru of positivity. Chris Dory joins us uh, from all the way down at the top of the world in Homer. Uh, can you hear me, my friend? Are you with me this morning? And uh, that says that says no. Well, that's disappointing, Chris. Um, uh, Chris, hold on. Let me call you back. Let me call you back in just a second, my friend. I'm having a problem with my phone. Uh, let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can get uh, Chris back on the 
Let's see if we can get Same. Chris back Plus on the, the line here and uh, get him squared away. Let's try this one more time. And we'll see if we can get... Hey, there we go. Now we can hear him. Now Good we, morning, Michael. Hello, my friend. I don't know why, but when you call me, it doesn't work. When I call you, it works. It's weird. It's weird. But uh, Well, let's, let's make a program note for the future. Yeah, I program like note, I call you. How about that? That seems to work better. Let's do lunch. Hey, let's, let's do lunch. So I, I'll call my people. I'll have my people call my people to then call your people. Okay. I've got all those people. Um, all right, my fr- you are. I am. I'm super important. You didn't know that I'm super important. I mean, I said I said impotent. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, you didn't know that I was imp. Wait a minute. Um, all right, <laughs> Chris. Chris Story, uh, joining us this morning to talk about uh, positivity, pottery. How not to become a nihilist. I mean, it's all these things. These are important lessons that we need to learn. Uh, what's up, my friend? How are you doing? Doing great. I read a study, and I said, as soon as I saw the study, I said, I've got to bring this to Michael. And I'm, I basically want to talk to you about nice guys finish last and other lies. Oh, okay. I didn't see that one coming. Okay, so nice guys finish last <laughs> and other and other lies. Like Chris Story is ultimately handsome, but I mean, I'm with you. Okay, so go ahead and uh, and go ahead and go ahead and slap me with it, baby. Hit me with with your whole thing here. What do you got going on? It's funny because after that comment, I really do want to hit you. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, no, there's a new study out, and I, you know, I dug into the metrics a little bit of how they arrived at this conclusion. I'll spare you those details and just say. Suffice it to say, they interviewed, they talked to, they studied a lot of people, thousands of people. One study was over 6,000, another study was several thousand, and this was across a couple different uh, countries. So it was broad, and it came to a very broad and, I think, negligible and uh, arguably provably false conclusion, which is to say that nice people don't acquire wealth. Nice people aren't good with money. Kind people, they went so far as to say kind people aren't good with money. And this is such bunk and just a perpetuation, I think, of this misnomer about what is wealth, what is wealth creation, what does it mean to create wealth, and who are the wealthy. So I think I can prove that it's bunk in two points quickly. First, the wealthiest people on the planet are the people that solve more problems for other people than anyone else. They don't abscond with money. Look at the, the, the monarchy of the United Kingdom. They're not wealthy. I mean, truly, if you compare them to any of the tech billionaires or the people that are actually solving problems, the royal family is actually pretty poor. And they're, they're somewhat, well, they're not somewhat, they're completely dependent upon the largesse of the people of which they're stealing the money to continue the, the ritual that, that is the monarchy. Fine, that's their choice, that's England's choice. But the idea that the wealthy people among us are solving problems on a daily basis, I think needs to be put forefront in our minds. That anybody who solves a problem can achieve wealth if they wish to. Well, and the see, second thing I would say- too, well, the way, wait, Before you go to the second thing, because I think that cuts against the narrative, man. The narrative is is that rich people are evil. They're takers, right? They never talk about 
the solutions that these people that have made a lot of money, you know, finding a need, filling a need, solving a problem for people. I mean, it doesn't match the 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 evil mustache twirling multi whatever gazillionaire that you see on TV that has evil plans to take over the world or oppress the slums or do whatever. Not the fact that the guy, you know, bought an apartment complex to try and provide housing for people and make money both at the same time. No, he's an evil landlord. He's an evil oppressor. He's right. the evil. T- right. He's the evil billionaire or millionaire or or corporatist or capitalist. It just doesn't fit the narrative. That's why you're seeing that kind of nice guys don't make it. You're a nice guy if you're poor. No, that's not necessarily true. I've met nice guys who are poor. I've met nice guys who are very very wealthy. And it, it, it's you know it's just like anything else. There are different people in every every class, every division, every. Uh, every uh, tax bracket, there's it, it's it is bunk. I agree, and the the study really dialed in on the idea that if you're kind, have a kind personality, that's an indicator that you're you, you do not value money. In fact, they so they went further to say that these folk value friendship over money, and that's to my second point to bunk the study is that the wealthy, truly the wealthiest among us value relationships and understand that they cannot do it alone. They understand the power of delegation. They understand the the power in job creation and wealth creation through A, solving problems, and B, having real and sincere relationships. Not the users among us that are the scourge of society that will use you and then ring you out and leave you. Those aren't truly the wealthy people. So the study suggests that the kind or agreeable personality types aren't good at saving money. And and I would point to something that Jordan Peterson said in several of the debates that he's had and, and won, that agreeable people don't often value themselves and or their worth such that they'll go defend it. More agreeable you are at work, the less likely you are to ask for a raise or promotion. And so there's some maybe corollary to being less agreeable, but it has nothing to do with your personality as far as kindness or the fact that you, you value friends over money. Those seem to me excuses, and I think a well, distortion of the reality. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between being assertive and being an ass, right? I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, that's the essence of the Michael Duke show. Exactly. I mean, there's a difference. They both have the ASS in it, but they mean totally different things. You can be assertive and still be a kind person. You can know your value or know the value of people around you and advocate for yourself and advocate for others. That doesn't mean you're not a kind person. And and this is part of that. I mean, there's a whole hoopla built up about the the virtue signaling of I am such a virtuous person because I am poor or because I am kinder than I am a thing. And I can criticize. I mean, y- yes, this drives me crazy. Holy cow. And the idea that there's a correlation between able to save and wealth, I think, is another myth I'd like to bunk is that you cannot save your way to a fortune. You cannot save your way to wealth. You invest your way to wealth. You have once you've saved enough money beyond the immediate needs and your initial capital to start a business or an investment or something and a rainy day account. Once you've saved beyond that measure, it's now costing you money because you're not putting it to work in the marketplace. So what wealthy people really know is how to invest their money and how to have their money make money. And I contend at the heart of that is relationship management as well. You have to be able to have 
and foster and care for relationships in your life. And I think, I'll tell you this, after two decades, just over two decades in this business, actually, if you consider the real estate business, I've been in 28 years with property management. I will tell you some of the kindest and most compassionate, agreeable people I've met and worked with over these past two decades plus are wealthy. That's not a preclusion of, you know, less than wealthy people being nice and kind and agreeable, but the idea that there's some corollary between wealth and not appreciating or value, value in friends speaks to what you said, the media narrative or the, the mainstream narrative that, you know, wealthy or greedy, et cetera. But if you just look at right now, the prototypical billionaire, the guy that's out there solving the most problems probably for anybody is Elon Musk. In many, many ways, he's solving problems for people with zero money who can use Twitter, uh, people with uh, a little money who can suddenly be connected to the Internet through his satellite system and his Starlink and the electric car for the masses, If you whether you agree with that or not. It's, it's he is solving problems for people on, on a daily basis at all income scales from the wealthy down to those that have very little. And that's really what business is about. I mean, that's 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 the. I mean, here's the thing. That's the essence of capitalism, right? I mean, it's the old find a need, yes. fill a need, find a need. Yep. What is what is missing in the market? How can I deliver that? Can I deliver it for a, you know, for a viable amount of money and still be able to make a living and do that? I mean, that is the essence of capitalism, caring about what other people want. That's I mean, if you want to, you know, I guess if you want to boil it down to that, that's what it is. Now, is it all? Um, is it all magnanimous of I'm just going to do it for free? Well, no, of course not, because you have to live and that's what you're doing. You're finding something that people want, you're providing it, and you're making a living off of it. Sometimes a just a basic decent living. Sometimes you're going to make a lot of money because you're the only one who's seen the need and are filling the need. That's that's just the way things work. I agree. And I think compassion is a lodestone of, of wealth, to be honest with you, is to have so much compassion that you are willing to sacrifice of your time and your energy and your family time to some extent to create these solutions and sometimes to the extent of their own well-being. I mean, I, I think about just going back to, to Elon Musk for a minute, the idea that he slept in his office and worked 100-hour weeks and all of that just sounds absolutely torturous to me and absolutely unattractive completely to a point where he's estranged from his kids, things like this. That's not something that I consider to be in nature, my nature. It's not my, my nature. Is a, I'm a family business. We invest in in real estate in our own backyard because this fits our personality and our nature. We're creating wealth in that capacity. But I think just really, I just felt like reading that study just cemented in my mind, we have to be our own critical thinkers. We have to read these kinds of studies or news or uh, where it's coming out of the medical community, investment community, global affairs, geopolitical, statewide, local. We have to be our own critical thinkers, read the headline and then go deeper and then think about it and really think, wait a minute, does this fit? Does this fit the, the, what I witnessed? And it doesn't for me, and it didn't for me. This completely cut against the grain of what I know to be true, which is that when you solve problems, as you said, find a need, and fill it. You can't help but win. You can't help but get the result of that, which is which is wealth creation. And it's not through savings, and it's not through uh, you know stabbing your friends in the back and win lose negotiations. None of that actually equals my 
concept of wealth. Well, and the thing about these studies, Chris, is I'm interested to know what were the questions that were asked and were they asked of average Americans? Were they asked of the wealthy? Were they, you know, who, who got polled in this whole thing and who looked at it and everything else? And what were the actual questions? Because again, if it's just more of the same entertainment and media tropes of that rich people are evil, then no wonder, you know, the average Joe just who doesn't have anything says, of course, rich people are evil. That's what I'm shown every day on the, on the on the little square box that tells me what to think is that rich people are obviously evil and they they should do it again. Never looking at it deeper to realize these people did things, whether you're Bill Gates, who provided an operating system that allowed people to have computers in every home or whether it's Elon Musk or whether it's, you know, Thomas Edison or whoever it was that found something that people needed and wanted and desired and provided it doesn't mean well Edison may have been a little evil over his fight with Tesla but we'll we'll just hold that back. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it 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 is frustrating. This is kind of the but this is kind of the the narrative, right? That's been put out there. Yeah. Against me. Now, do we think movie stars who make millions of dollars or the Kardashians are evil? Well, of course not, because we love them. I mean, they're <laughs> crazy as hell, but I mean, we love them. But anybody else that wants to make money in that way, it's just it's wrong. We shouldn't support them. Right. I mean, it, it, I agree. I think a bumper sticker could be don't buy the myths, the media and the left love to sell. Just don't yeah. buy them. Don't yeah. buy those money myths. Don't don't buy them. Uh, it's baked right into our founding that you've got the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that that pursuit is encompassing, in my opinion, of wealth, opportunities, and wealth creation for others through those same set opportunities and relationships. And if you don't manage relationships well, there's a really good chance you're going to find yourself maybe at the top of a pile of money, but you'll be miserable and alone. One of the saddest things in the world to me is to think in terms of Johnny Carson, provided so much joy and happiness for 30 years on Tonight Show, died alone, very wealthy, very alone because of the relationships that he sacrificed apparently and reportedly again and again in his life. Wonderful entertainer, uh, but couldn't manage relationships to save his life. Right. I mean, as much as I admire, uh, as I admire Elon Musk, like you said, I mean, look at all the sacrifices that he's made. Uh, good for him if that's what he wants. But at the same time, you know, uh, I couldn't work 100 hours a week and sleep in a back room at the office and, and do everything else and let my family fall apart and be happy about it. That's just me personally. Uh, if that's what you want to do, then so be it. You can't you can't ignore the compassionate capitalism part of what he's done, but you can go, oof, man, that's a that's a heavy price to pay. But not everybody has to pay that price and not everybody has to make, I guess, that kind of money. Some people are happy. If they're just making enough money to live, a, you know, a hundred thousand bucks a year or a couple hundred thousand bucks a year, then that's fine for them. And that's why you've got to do that self-analysis we talk about, because you've got to decide what your ultimate, what does your endpoint look like? Exactly. Yeah, and that's the exciting thing to me about about helping people understand the concept of becoming a backyard millionaire is in, in bettering your own life, the people in your community tenants providing safe, affordable housing for people right there, improvements in your property, increasing the values, increasing the tax base, all of it right where you are with what you've got. You do not have to become a billionaire to make a massive indent and uh, and create wealth right where you are. And that's that's yeah. pretty exciting. And so if you read the headline, you read the study, forget about it. You, you can be nice, you can be kind, and you can manage relationships really well. In fact, that is the path to wealth. 
Chris Story is the man from Homer. He's written a handful of books, including The Backyard Millionaire and Born to Live. Uh, he's working on his latest uh, fictional work, which is the new Making of Man book, which I am really looking forward to seeing and reading and performing, actually, as well. Uh, he's got his new podcast up. He's got his radio show. Man, are you working 100 hours a week and living in a room in the back or what? But the good news is I, I live literally, I, we call it a campus. We have two offices in our home within, you know, a, we're on the same cul-de-sac. And uh, so it's it's where we are is what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, your commute is almost as short as mine. My commute is 15 feet from my bedroom to my studio. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's, yes. it's nice when it's uh, that kind of commute. You can be all there and be all part of it. Chris Story, my friend, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Thanks for uh, being part of the show. My pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me. Again. All right. Well, you just uh, you just hold the line for a second here. Here we go, folks. Running on one hundred percent pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha! <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Well, that 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 uh, study must have really just pissed you off. I mean, because I I mean I'm I'm <laughs> agitated by it, and uh, and and you sound like you're a little bit uh, frustrated by that whole, because again, that's the that's the mantra, right? I mean, that's the stereotypical yeah. guy with a big fat cigar in the back room telling people how to live their lives and doing all that stuff. When usually. It's people who have actually produced something or done something for everyone. The concern I've got for the most part, I agree with you 100% on what you just said. And my main concern comes from, uh, let's just call a spade a spade, Agenda 2030. Agenda 21 was largely ignored by the mainstream, largely ignored by most people because we're just living our lives and it seemed very far-fetched and fanciful that there's some world organization that wants to bring the top down, top tier capitalist societies, bring them down and bring the bottom up to the middle. No one has too much. No one has too little. It seems very far-fetched and this is never going to happen. And then what, what, what happened a couple years ago in 2020 slash 21? Now we have Agenda 2030 coming out of the United Nations, which suggests that you'll own nothing. You'll be happy. You can smoke your marijuana. You can just relax and just chill stream your life away let's join the metaverse why worry about life when you could be part of the metaverse and oh nothing and simply just be happy this kind of study fits as a, just a beautiful keystone to that kind of a concept where a majority of us could be lulled into some very dark places into the future where we give up rights that are baked into our founding and it's right. just too important to ignore who uh, who put this study together, Chris? Do you do you who is the who are the the founders, makers, breakers of this study? I'll send you the link. Uh, yeah, it was on the Drudge Report this morning. I'll send you a link. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's it's interesting. Again, I am not uh, I'm not a fan of that myth. In fact, it pisses me off every time I because you know we've heard it before. Um, but you know, because to be successful, it takes more than just you. You usually have to bring other people with you. And, you know, the only true success is when you've helped other people reach the same level that you are. I mean, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the self-fulfilling thing. Are there people who abuse the system and who? Yes, absolutely. Just like in every other 
you know, every other part and paycheck and pay scale and uh, demographic. I think Robbie said something like there's people, you know, different personalities. There's a whole scheme of personalities in every demographic. That's like saying every police officer is perfect. No, we know it doesn't happen that way. Uh, just like that, there are sure there are evil, there are evil rich people or mean rich people. There are also mean poor people. <laughs> just, people are people, man. That's just the way it yeah. is. Yeah, pejoratives on either side of this debate, but just this concept that's been shoved constantly. And this is nothing new, but the thing that I think is new is if you combine this notion of just be happy, don't be one of the people that wants money and wealth, be happy, be kind, be compassionate, sit so neatly into snugly. It's like a like a snuggie, if you will, over the agenda oh, 2030, yeah. which is a very dark, dark. Well, place. it's the whole communal, communistic, communal, you know, we all support each other and everybody's kumbaya and nobody really needs all that. Do you really need two houses? Do you really need three cars when there's only two of you? Do you really need, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, but I want, I desire, I filled a need and I've helped other people. So if it's mine, it's none of your damn business kind of thing. You know, set your, set your thermostat to 55 and put on a sweater. Come on, do yeah. your part, Michael. I did that for years, by the way, not because the UN told me to, but because it made more sense for my family financially. We set the thermostat <laughs> at 58 and said, here's your minky blanket. Just lay on the couch and be quiet. That's how it That's how it works around here. <laughs> and that's why I don't live in Fairbanks anymore uh, right there. That's one of the reasons why. Um, all right. Well, Chris, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, I owe you some emails. I was out yesterday, um, a little bit under the weather, so, uh, but I'm back at it today. Oh, I'm so. sorry to hear that. I'll get uh, I'll get okay. with you and we'll get back to you. But appreciate you coming on board as always every uh, Tuesday and uh, being part of the show. All right, Michael, take care. I guess I'll call you from now on because that seems to work. I don't know what the deal is, but okay, uh, I, yeah, I'll just I'll be ready. You be you be ready. You just sit by there by that phone and I will call you. You wait until I call. Just like just like you never call me for prom, but you you will call me on Tuesday. Though. I will call you on Tuesday sometime on Tuesday. I, I don't know when it'll be. You just wait and stare at that phone until it rings, okay? Uh, thanks. Good. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, coming on board uh, the show. Um, are pipe smokers nicer than cigar smokers? I don't know. I've done both. Does that make me bad? I don't know. I just, I just don't know. All right, what should we do? Should we open up the phone lines? Uh, we could. Uh, we could open up the phone lines. I suppose that would be. Uh, um, I suppose that would be the uh, the way to do it. Um, I gotta type in a password here. Uh, I suppose we could just do that. You guys want to do the? Uh, you guys want to do the phones? Uh, should I open them up? Sure. Why not? All right, I'll open up the phone lines and we'll get things rocking and rolling. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's do it. Okay, 
Well, hi, how are you? You ready to go? One more, one more segment of the program this morning because, well, why not? Because three is a nice odd number and we got three segments of every hour. So we'll just, we'll just do that. How about that? The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We are into the final segment of the show this morning and ready to rock and roll, I suppose. I'll open up the phone lines because that's just how it goes. And it gives me an opportunity to remind you that today's program is being brought to you by the letter S. No, the... (laughs) Sorry. Uh, the today's program is being brought to you by your friends at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. That's right, SatelliteWest.com. From West Twin to Wasilla. From Menchumana to Metlakatla. From uh, Antioch to Anaktuvik. Wherever it is in the state of Alaska that you are at, Satellite West has got you covered uh, for, you know, to keep you connected with text messages, with emails, surfing the internet, making phone calls. That's what Satellite West is all about, and they are proud to sponsor this show across the state of Alaska. Uh, so feel free to uh, go over there and check them out at SatelliteWest.com. They have got a full range of items, and of course you can find all their local dealers and stuff as well out on the website at SatelliteWest.com. Thank you for sponsoring the program. To all the folks over there at Satellite West. Okay, one final segment today. Whatever you want to talk about. If you want to chat on any of the things that we hit on today, I would love to hear what you have to say. It's definitely uh, been an interesting uh, discussion. Uh, Let's run over to the phones and get started to see what folks are saying. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, Carlene and Kodiak. Good morning, Carlene. Good morning, Michael about yesterday's topics with uh, Senator Myers. Um, it, was, it was excellent because he was speaking the truth to us. But it also um, was unsettling because the direction that we're going, the state is going in, is to put all of our eggs in one basket. And if you listen and watch the DVDs, listen to economists, they tell you to diversify and don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And um, the direction is to just take the PFD and the state live on that. Um, what happens if there's a crash? You know. Right. What happens if like- the st- yeah? What happens if the stock mar- stock market takes a wicked turn, which it has in the past? And what do we live on then? Right. That's what you're talking about. Yes. We need all of these small businesses, and um, we need babysitters. We just need all of it, you know. I mean, it's, I'm, I think that's about all I have to say, Michael. All right. Well, Carlene, thank you for calling in this morning and sounding off. I agree. Diversification in the economy is what we need. And I think what the whole thing with Rob is that he's pointing out is that we're not diversifying the economy, they're severing the economy. They're making so that the government is not dependent on what happens in the private. There is no incentive 
to diversify because they feel like, well, we've got this big pot of money that's just going to keep spinning off money every year. So why do we need to diversify? Why do we need to worry about that? Why would we need to worry about regulations and licensing and things that are, you know, that are hindering the uh, that are hindering uh, the uh, the private sector? Why would that matter? Because we've got all this money coming in. You're right. There is no incentive to diversify at that point. Because if they're going to live off the permanent fund, uh, uh, the corpus of the permanent fund and the earnings of that, they don't care about diversifying. Uh, and of course, of course, because politicians historically uh, have been tremendously short-sighted, and they don't remember the last crash uh, and what it's going to do. Uh, but it is a volatile resource, that's for sure. Uh, thank you for calling in, Carlene. I appreciate you uh, being part of it today and sounded off. That leaves lines open. If you would like to be part of the program today, all you got to do is give us a call, 907-433-3150, uh, uh, 907-433-3150. Uh, feel free to give us a call and sound off on anything that uh, that we've got going on. I think that really is a lesson that we didn't touch on yesterday with Rob much. Uh, I mean, we talked a lot about the severance and this and the separation between the public and the private economy. We we didn't talk about the fact that it stifles that diversification that we really need here in the state of Alaska. Although it highlights that that diversification comes from the private sector. That's the thing. The diversification that we need in the state is going to come from the private sector. It's not going to come from the government. Again, government doesn't create anything. Government is a net consumer of wealth. They don't create wealth. They don't even really create jobs. I mean, I know they'll argue that, well, we're building a bridge, and so we're going to be employing these people, so we did create jobs. No. You created an opportunity for other for companies to come in and take your contract. The companies created the jobs. If they have all you know built their entire business model on government largesse, I suppose you could argue in some ways that that is. But again, it's a very short-lived thing. It's not a self-perpetuating cycle. That's what true. That's where true wealth is created is when it's self-sustaining. And government doesn't do that. It's a it's a one-time push. It's a one-time blip that lasts for a year or two or three or whatever the length of the single, you know, contract is. That's part of the problem. All right, let's go over. We'll take one more call before we uh before we close out for today. Tomorrow on the program, Mike Shower is going to be joining us potentially, Calvin Shreggy as well. Let's uh go over here and uh take this uh, final call before we uh before we go for the day. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Michael. This is Bert Politidix. I just wanted to do a short rant this morning. Okay, quickly. It's amazing that we have to sit here and continuously listen to legislators tell us everyday Alaskans that we don't have no clue what really happens down in Juneau. I will say that many of us don't, but there are a slim minority like myself that follow everything that's going on down there in Juneau. And to constantly keep claiming that your one voice, their one voice out of the 59, 
just really doesn't matter. That's not why we elected them to go down there to Gino. We elected them to go down there and fight and change things, not that they're to play along to get along. Sure. Rant's over. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate that, Bert. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, we didn't elect them to, to be nothing, but at the same time, we have to understand that's one of the reasons why the first charter of changes is to change out the players because they can't do it alone. If you are one guy who's calling and crying in the wilderness for cuts, and yet you don't have any support from anybody else, pretty soon you just get worn down and there's nothing else you can do. So while you're right, uh, we need more than just the one doing it. You know, we I, I don't necessarily hold any single legislator accountable for not moving the needle all by themselves. I want them to hold strong. But I also understand that this is, uh, you know, it's a team sport, unfortunately. we got to get the right members in there. Got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, my friends. Well, thank you for being part of it today, for coming on board and joining us. I appreciate it. Tomorrow, Mike Shower, maybe Calvin Schrege. We'll see what happens. Until then, be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 